Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Dara Treseder, who is the CMO of GE Ventures. Dara, hi, and welcome to the show. Hi, Nadine. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you could join me. Uh, you know, and actually, this is great because we can do this in person where I'm actually sitting across the table. So uh, you this make This is like me- a real conversation. <laughs> it really is. And you're going to make me laugh the whole time. I know and it. You're going to make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty of this. So I'm so glad we could be doing this. Thank you for inviting me to your lovely building. Why don't we start by talking about what GE Ventures is and what you do uh, here at GE? Absolutely. So GE Ventures is a growth engine um, at GE. We invest in startups. We've got a venture capital arm. We commercialize GE's IP. And we also create new businesses. So it's kind of fun because we do a lot more than just investing in, in startups. Wow. Okay. So that is three very big and distinct roles. Talk a little bit about how you you think through that and manage how you spend your time. No, that's a really good question. I think the fun thing about it is that no day is the same because <laughs> there's a variety of challenges and tasks and things that I have to look into and work on. I try to balance to make sure that I'm putting my time in the area that needs it the most. So sometimes it might be advising or supporting one of our portfolio companies in the equity investing side. Sometimes it might be working with the marketing team, one of the new businesses we've created, if they're gearing up for a launch or something like that. And other times it might be working with our, our licensing business to help them with demand generation. So it's kind of fun because I get to flex a bunch of different marketing muscles. <laughs> yes, you do. Wow. And that's a lot of muscle to flex. I mean, everything from marketing to financial acumen to just understanding the whole VC landscape. How did you get to where you are today? I mean, that's, that's going to be all probably the rest of this podcast, right? <laughs> but, uh, but let's talk about how you built those skills up. So I think one of the things that wasn't really cool when I was in high school, but has served me well in the rest <laughs> of my life is I love to learn. And so I try to immerse myself in, in learning. You know, I think today with all the great headlines, et cetera, we kind of moved to a skimming culture. Like there are many times I'm talking to someone and they're like, did you see that article? And I'm like, yes, I was actually really interested in X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, I, I just, I really just read the, the title. <laughs> and I think we kind of need to move from skimming to swimming, oh. immersing ourselves in information, really spending time getting to understand different subject matters 
And, and that's one of the things that I, I, I love to learn and I try to swim as much as possible. Wow. And I would say that's probably one of the things that's helped me a lot. Wow. Okay. So uh, I don't even know where to go with this now because like there's so many questions I could ask you. What, do, what is uh, your passion point? What do you love about the thing that you're doing now? I think one thing that I really love, and, and I referenced this earlier, but it's getting to flex different marketing muscles. The role of the CMO is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. So being able to, on one hand, be working on like a rebranding effort, but then kind of jump quickly and start thinking about growth and demand gen. Mm-hmm. And then in the next minute, start thinking about what should our voice strategy be or how are we thinking about AI and blockchain and the impact that could have on marketers. So being able to flex and move and learn and I think be an operator, but also an explorer mm-hmm. as a marketer. I mm-hmm. think being able to have those two dimensions, I find really fascinating. Oh, that's so cool. I just um, released a little tiny snippet from uh, Diego Scotti's podcast. He talked about the role of the, the CMO really morphing from just being marketing to being explorers as well and to being reporters of the brand. And so um, it sounds like you get to be both the explorer and a reporter. So let's talk about the reporting side. How do you think about like how you tell the story? How does it come together? Who do you work with? You know, how do you think about your teams? So I think that's a really good question. I think every time we're telling a story, it's like we, because a lot of what we do is partnerships, right? Mm-hmm. And our partnerships take many forms, whether it's, you know, investing a startup or, or creating a new business or commercializing IP. So many times we have to figure out what is the story that's going to matter? Mm. How does that resonate with the partner that we're working with? Um, and then what is the best medium? for telling that story. So thinking about the audience, the partner, and the medium, because sometimes the medium is just as important as the message. Yeah. And being able to work all of those different angles together, I think is really important when we think about storytelling. And it's basically how we approach it. But always with a lens of what matters to the audience. Mm-hmm. Why do they need to hear this? And how is this going to impact them? And I remember when I was chatting with uh, Linda Boff, she was talking- Who's well. amazing. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, Hail to the queen. Hail to the queen. Uh, uh, yes. Um, she was talking about all the different mediums that you're using, and there there aren't probably any medium out there that GE hasn't touched or played with or explored with. Is there one in particular or a couple that you think are really exciting? You know, that's one of the things I love. Just in, in my role, I get to work with Linda, and what a fabulous role model, mentor, just amazing. And one of the things, Linda, she's such an innovator at heart, and she's really pushed GE as a company. So we have tried a bunch of different mediums. I think one of the things that is really interesting for us right now, we're looking into voice. Mm-hmm. What, what role does voice play for a B2B brand? Mm-hmm. And what should our voice strategy be? And how do we think about that? So that's kind of an interesting medium that yeah. we're exploring at the moment. Yeah, that is a hot one for sure. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned the words role model. And we were talking about mentors earlier. And you are a fierce role model yourself. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, not only are you just amazing marketer, but you're female and you're a woman of color. And that is wonderful to have you as a role model for a lot of young ladies and, and men out there as well that want to figure out like, okay, how do we break through this? There's, what is your perspective on you know, how to be a great role model and how to provide mentoring where it's needed? Thanks, Sadie. That's a really good question. And you know, I feel very blessed to be in the position that I'm in. I feel very grateful. Um, And it's a lot of hard work that a lot of people have done that have got me where I am. 
you know, and so to whom much is given, much is expected. And for me, it's really important to open the door for others and to pay it forward. And I try to do that in a variety of ways. One is just mentoring and providing support and career guidance and advice (laughs) to kind of, you know, other women of color who are aspiring to be in a C-level position or aspiring to become a CMO or or, or a different um, role on the C-suite. So I'm working a, a lot. Um, with women and people of color in that regard. Also, I am on the board of the Public Health Institute, uh, PHI. And PHI, you know, as one of the largest uh, public health organizations in the nation, spans a lot of different sort of programs. We've got a bunch of different programs. One of our flagship programs that I'm really excited about is Rise Up, um, which is... Great program. Yes, it's such a great program. I always love talking about that one because it it deeply resonates. And what Rise Up is really focused on doing is activating and helping women and girls all around the world. Many of these are women of color, Mm. right? And so what Rise Up has done, it's built a network of over 500 visionary leaders and impacts over 7 million girls, youth, and women by working on laws and policies that will improve tangibly the lives of women and girls around the world. Wow, that is so wonderful. And how long have you been involved in that organization? So I've been involved in PHI um, for a couple of years, but I've been on the board for about a year and a half. The world needs more people (laughs) like you to serve as great role models and provide your guidance. So for those who are aspiring to get to the role of a CMO, were there some particular points in your career that were really pivotal for you or something that you said, wow, you know, that's where I need to place my emphasis or this was a learning that I can never forget? I think it was early on in my career, but somebody told me, he was a partner at Goldman Sachs, um, and he said to me, always make sure that you're working for the right person. Oh. <laughs> and that seems so simple, but I have to tell you, Nadine, that has been what I've always done. It's like, I, you know, people are like, oh, you've worked for at some really great companies, really great brands. I've worked for some really great leaders. I work, you know, even when I think about when I left Apple, where I worked with amazing people and came over here to GE, you know, I came to work for Sue Siegel, who's mm. the CEO of GE Ventures and kind of helped really build and establish this organization fabulous, amazing woman leader. You know, when Sue hired me, I was in my third trimester. Oh. <laughs> I, remember, I remember, you know, kind of our, our, our first conversation where, you know, I, I had been sort of, you know, debating and, and thinking, do I mention this in the first conversation or do I see how serious this is before I, you know, decide to disclose? But there was something about her warmth mm. and sincerity. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let it lay it all out. I'm just going to let her know. We'll see where this goes. And I was like, just so you know, it's two of us. <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, oh, that doesn't matter. Oh. And I was like, wow. I was blown away. To me, that's what it means to have more women leaders in power. Because you know what? She's a mom. And when she had her second child was when she took on another big job. So she understood that women can do it. I could have a baby and also take on this really big responsibility uh, Mm -hmm. because she had lived it. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to get to a place where we have way more women who have that experience and can kind of shepherd Mm -hmm. in order to usher in the change that we need to see at the highest levels um, of business and society. 
Oh, what a great point that is. And now I've got three things I want to talk to you about. Okay. <laughs> I've probably got 18, but let's, let's start with the first one. So you said it's all about working for the right people. And I couldn't agree more. I think I just had that conversation last week with someone else. Um, how do you ferret out the kind of person you want to work with? I think for me, I really think about the ways of working. How does this person work? And does this gel (laughs) with the way I work and the way I function? And if I go back to the conversation that I had with Sue, when we were thinking about this role, I said to her, one of the ways I like to work is we debate. When we have decisions to make, we can have a a good argument and really mm-hmm. talk it through. But then once a decision is made, and sometimes it might be my decision, sometimes it's your decision, sometimes someone else is on the team's decision. Mm-hmm. Once a decision is made, we all commit. Mm-hmm. So nobody's leaving the room saying, oh, that wasn't my idea. I didn't realize. Look, if we have had a fair debate mm-hmm. and we have decided mm-hmm. this is the path we're going to go. We all commit and we do what it takes to get us there. Mm. And that is actually one of, she was like, this is one of my ways of working. <laughs> so what, that was just like what, a, a, an amazing moment that was like, yes. You know, first of all, I knew you were awesome. I just told you I was pregnant. You loved that. And that was totally fine with you. And now our ways of working gel. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to say, hey, what is my culture? What are my values? And does that align not just with the company, mm-hmm. but with the team I'm going right. to be working with? Does that align with whoever is going to be my boss? I think that's really critical. That's a really great point that you just brought up and, you know, so inspiring. How do you then take that to your teams and the way that you look for talent and interview and bring talent onto your teams? So whenever I'm, you know, interviewing someone for a role, in addition to asking them, you know, what are your values? Why do you really want this particular position? I actually ask them to tell me about their story. Mm. I want to understand what is your story And how does this fit in to your story and help the flow continue? Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Because if it's not going to fit and it's not going to help your story continue to flow and develop, then this isn't a right fit. But where this is a perfect next step and a beautiful arc in your story, that's where we know, I know that this is going to really work. And many times as I'm having these conversations, they're super honest super open, we arrive at a good point where we both understand whether this is the right path forward or not. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. I was telling you right before we started recording that you have a ton of very polished skills and you're like, what are you talking about? Well, I can sit here and I just saw them again. And there's, there's really, really notable traits about the way you talk and the way you present yourself and how you communicate. Those are learned skills. <laughs> it's either learning by seeing or you actually took classes someplace. So I, 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 this beans. must be learning by seeing because okay. I've actually never taken any classes. One thing I will say is I'm an amateur singer. Ah. <laughs> so I like to sing and I like to perform. You know, when I was at Harvard, I was in the Fallen Angels acapella group. <laughs> and when I was at Stanford for business school, first year I featured in uh, the musical show. Oh. I played Condoleezza Rice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And then the second year I produced the show with another excellent producer, Mariano. So I I, I like to perform. I like to sing. So sometimes maybe that, I don't know, that's the only thing I can think of, you know, that I could say maybe that impacts the way I deliver. I don't know. It's very, it's very joyful. I love that. Now, wow. Okay. So you just said Harvard, Stanford, Condoleezza Rice. 
at marketing? Like, what do you not do? Like, my goodness, <laughs> I, I'm not worthy to be sitting no, across oh my the gosh, table. Please. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did you do it all? Um, I, I don't. <laughs> I think it's really funny. There's this Instagram uh, handle that's all about moms surviving, not thriving. <laughs> and I love it. Because <laughs> some days just like, you know, how do we just get from point A to point B? Right. But in, in all seriousness, I think one of the things that I've just tried to do is be present where I am and give my 210% to whatever it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just my, been my approach to whatever it is, whether it's kind of spending time with my two kids or it's working on a song for my husband for Father's Day <laughs> or it's like at my job, yeah. right? How can I be fully present, be fully committed and really bring my best self to whatever it is I'm embarking on? I'm so glad you mentioned again, being a mom. And uh, that was one of the questions that was in my queue. (laughs) You took on this role in your third trimester and then all of a sudden you're out and then you're coming back in. How did you manage that so that you could feel good about all the things that you were doing, trying to be a new mom and then also taking on a new role? the, The fortunate thing I will say is it wasn't my first rodeo. I already had a daughter and I was about to have my son. And he came three weeks early. Oh boy. My daughter came exactly on her due date. So all this nonsense people were telling me babies come. I was like, no, my babies come on their due date. (laughs) My son did not come on his due date. He came three weeks early. And there was a lot going on. And so I never really plugged out by choice. I was, you know, everyone was like, please go. But for me, I had, there was a lot going on. I kind of was like, I want to be in the loop. So mm-hmm. I kept, I did work remotely. So mm-hmm. I did, at least I wasn't like coming to the office every day, but that was how I stayed connected. So now how do you get involved with mentoring other women? I know you said you do a lot on that end. I mentor a lot of young women through a variety of different programs, whether it's some of the programs through PHI or, or through schools where I'm an alumnus mm. or it's through my church or, you know, anytime there's a young woman who is bold enough to ask <laughs> for help, Uh-oh. I'm pretty much going to respond. And I devote a portion of my mm. free time to mentoring. Wow. Oh, I love that. You know, I, that's so important it's interesting because I've had some different conversations with different folks and a lot of them on this show. And there are so many different perspectives as to, can you actually find the right mentor or, you know, does it happen naturally or do you seek it out? Um, But my question to you would be, how do you be a great mentor? Because you obviously can't tackle all the challenges that they're having. How do you think about your role as a mentor and and pick the areas to focus on? So what I typically do, depending on who it is that I'm mentoring, is focus on where I can be of most value. Mm -hmm. So sometimes women might come up to me and say, hey, I'm really interested in becoming a C-level executive. Um, I would like for you to mentor me. And what I say to them is, hey, I would love to join your personal board of advisors or personal <laughs> board of directors, right? You're, it's going to take a lot more than me to help you get there, right. but I would love to be an agent mm. in this process. Mm-hmm. So consider me invited <laughs> to your personal board of directors. And then what I do is I can provide guidance on certain areas where I feel like I have the subject matter expertise, mm-hmm. whether it's by things I've lived, right, or I've experienced, or I just 
know from my own practice, um, my own kind of knowledge base. So I can advise them on those particular areas. So that's how I tend to, to do that. With younger, kind of earlier stage, usually it'll be maybe one or two conversations. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I can respond to things via email or make connections for them, help to open doors. Mm-hmm. That tends to be how that sort of flows organically. And then sometimes through organizations, it might be a structured program where I commit to doing something through that program. Oh, that's wonderful. And is there a certain theme that you've seen right now that people are struggling with where they need help or is it just all over the board? So that's a really good question. I think it's all over the board, but there are definitely some emerging themes. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the core areas that I'm seeing a lot of help is I need to break in to the C-level position, especially for women of color. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is not a glass ceiling we're trying to shatter concrete here, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it's tough mm-hmm. because it's almost like you need someone to give you that first shot mm-hmm. that kind of gets the credibility that allows you to move on. Um, but how do you get that first time mm-hmm. position? And so I spent a lot of time investing in and working with women of color who are trying to shatter that concrete block. block. <laughs> Any success tips that you've uncovered? I think, you know, the personal board of directors has been really effective. And there's actually a talk that I give called Think Like a Startup. That actually emerged from some of my mentorship sessions <laughs> with some of these women where it's like, look, we have to approach this like a startup. How are we going to get you that good valuation? How are we going <laughs> to get you that exit that we're desiring? And how do we bring kind of everything we know about crafting a value proposition, building a killer team, marketing and selling your product, investing in your product? How do we bring all of these things together to make you the best product we can make to help you get where you need to go? So cool. And And when we were talking earlier, you brought up a really, really good point that there are so many different types of marketing and CMOs out there. And every company is different that requires something different for the flavor du jour, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any guidance you would give CEOs on kind of questions to ask to understand what kind of CMO would be the best fit for their organization? Yeah, I think when I'm talking to CEOs um, of, of startups or larger companies who ask about this, it's always, we need to start with your need. Mm. What does your company really need at this time? Are you in the early stages where you haven't quite figured out product market fit? In which case, market intelligence, market sensing (laughs) is a lot of what you need. Trying to get into the head of your customers, understanding what your customers crafting and designing your value proposition, Mm -hmm. right? Or... Are you post-product market fit where you need to acquire customers, Mm. right? So demand generation, customer acquisition, and brand development. That's kind of sort of the core things you need, content creation. Mm -hmm. Or have you kind of eclipsed that? And are you kind of a mature company that needs the full suite? (laughs) Every imaginable kind of marketing discipline is sort of what you're looking for at that period of time. And then once we've kind of identified your need we can start to think about, okay, let's prioritize that list, right? And I'm so incredibly honored. I think the CMO class is just out there today. All the CMOs you've had on your amazing (laughs) podcast. Uh What an amazing group of 
fierce warriors, Mm -hmm. right? You know, just incredibly talented, gifted, amazing people. And sometimes it's like, you know, I'm just watching someone, following them on Twitter or LinkedIn or listening to them on your podcast. And I get to meet them and I'm like, oh my God, even more amazing in person (laughs) than digitally. As a marketing group, I think have just developed a variety of muscles and are able to exercise them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we have built out great teams and we know how to identify, recruit, and develop talent to complement areas where maybe we don't over-index. So once you have that prioritized list, we can then say, okay, what type of marketer, what type of marketing leader do we need for these prioritized lists? Because we want to make sure that the marketing leader matches one, two, three, or at least one or two, right? right? That's where they over-index, that's their comfort zone. And then of course, they can develop a team to help with the other areas. Yeah, so wise and definitely a challenge for a lot of CMOs that are looking for their next role is how to really understand if that's going to be a good role for them. And I think it comes, number one, from understanding the what are the expectations based on what the company needs. So is there, conversely, a question that you would encourage CMOs who might be looking to move into their next CMO role or somebody trying to go into a CMO role a good question to ask that company just to ensure that it's a good fit for them. I would ask the CEO, what's keeping you up at night? Because you need to know what matters most to that CEO mm-hmm. and make sure that that's something that you feel really comfortable, right? We feel really comfortable that we can deliver. Because if what the CMO needs most from marketing is not our area of strength, or, you know, we don't have a close deputy or someone we can bring in that we feel really comfortable that person's got it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the right fit. Okay. So last question on this, and then I'm going to shift gears because <laughs> I'm now curious. We, we followed this carrot all the way down. <laughs> so what happens when a CMO who has some really great ideas that might be net new or novel to the CEO happens where if only those two minds could beat there could be a whole new opportunity. Like, would you encourage somebody to express their opinion? Oh, absolutely. And, how, and, and you were talking about financial acumen being really key in that, that composition of their ideas. Like, what advice would you give them? So, you know, I think as CMOs, we have a responsibility to partner with the CAEO in helping figure out what the future vision of the company should be. And that means many times that we're out in front thinking about new and novel ideas. And we need to be able to bring that in mm-hmm. and bring kind of the outside in, bring that external perspective. And I think what I've seen work from my own experience and just like, you know, my peer group, as well as, you know, CMOs in, in startup companies that I might be advising and supporting, helping, is being able to concretely align those new novel ideas with the objectives that the business is looking for, that the CEO is looking for. Mm-hmm. So it might be like, hey, I'm really trying to grow. <laughs> okay, I've got this kind of new, interesting approach to how we would really develop our brand or take our brand in, in a new direction. And the CEO might be like, okay, I'm looking for growth. What does brand have to do with growth? <laughs> and that's where you need to have you know, your metrics and you're like, hey, 
here's how brand opens doors. And here's what's not happening right now. Our brand right now is, these are the values, what our brand is conveying right now. So we're not able to go after the market we need to go after. So we need to refresh or tweak, adopt, change the brand in this direction (laughs) so we can attract these new audiences. And this is how this will map out to growth. So being able to develop that full story in the CEO is like, oh, okay, I got it. You know, this isn't just some cute, wonderful, beautiful, creative campaign that moves hearts and minds, but I can see how that will help me achieve my growth objectives. Very well said. Wonderful. Well, okay. So I could sit here and chat a lot longer (laughs) with you, but we are really, really close to being out of time. So I'm going to ask you two more questions. The first one is really just opening it up to you. Is there anything in the world, any tip, any guidance, any aha moment that you would like to share with somebody that might help them in their career? I think one of the things that I have discovered and kind of in partnership actually with a group of CMOs that I've had the privilege of getting to know well is the importance of as marketers being able to say, hey, I'm willing to own a number. I'm willing to be accountable for p I'm willing to be accountable for this particular channel. I'm willing to be accountable for the full end-to-end spectrum. So not just generating the lead, but I can see it through through a digital experience. I can deliver everything from kind of acquiring that customer to closing that customer to retaining that customer to building loyalty with that customer. And I think that's really powerful. Okay, very good. All right, last question. <laughs> uh, and I'm almost afraid of this answer, um, but it's going to be exciting, I'm sure. If you weren't a CMO, what would you be doing? That is a really good question. I would probably be a fitness instructor. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I'd love to, you know, develop a fitness program for moms and <laughs> in combination of like, Bikram yoga and boxing and spinning <laughs> and invent some kind of high activity, high intensity activity. I and love do it. That. Yeah. Oh gosh, I love it. Dara's fierce boot camp for moms. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. Do it, do it, do it. I'm sure a lot of people will be like, yay, sign me up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need to get myself in great shape. <laughs> I have a feeling that you could be pretty strict with yourself if you need to be so. <laughs> well, it has been so much fun having you on the show and so much fun being here with you in person today. Thank you so much, Nadine. This was really wonderful. Really great to get to meet you and get to chat with you. I very much enjoyed our conversation. Great. Thank you. Have a super day. Thank you. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 